We've been talking about money, uh, and specifically not just money, but we've been talking about giving. Giving um, as an art. Uh, hopefully you've started to understand that this whole series, as much as it's about giving, is actually not really to do with money. But actually giving has so much more to do with our hearts. Uh, the first week we talked about giving as worship. It's an act of worship that when we give, just like singing a song or, or exalting God in prayer, when we give, it's worshiping God. Last week we talked about giving as an act of obedience, that we don't just give because we feel like it or we think that it's the right thing to do, but, but we do it because the Bible demands us. God demands us to give for his kingdom. And today, we're going to talk about giving is trusting. Another word we can use there is surrender. I want to start with a story. I, uh, I'm not a very sporty person, um, but our guys uh, at church decided it was a very manly thing to do to go rock climbing. Now, if you've never been rock climbing before, it's a bunch of walls and there's rocks that stick in, artificial rocks that stick into these walls. You get a rope around you, you climb it, you touch the roof, you come down to where you started. I don't understand. Anyway, people love it. But one of the things about rock climbing these days is um, obviously safety. Safety is a very important thing because you, you, you know, you're climbing up 10 metres or so. And so everyone that climbs up has to wear a harness um, around their waist, around their legs. And then that harness is then uh, connected to a rope, which is connected to a bunch of pulleys on the roof. And then that rope comes down to the guy behind you who's holding that rope. And, and his job is to belay. And what happens is as you climb, um, this guy will pull the rope so that if you fall off, you don't you know, just fall straight to the ground, but you just fall like 20 centimetres and you just hang in the air and and it's this whole safety thing. And I remember we went rock climbing, and I've been a few times before, and there was this guy who was new to rock climbing, and he was a really fit young fellow, so he'd be flying up these walls, and uh, it was really good to see. But, but there, he got himself stuck up on one of the harder climbs. And he got up there, and, and he was holding onto this rock, which would have been maybe the, the size of a 20-cent piece. And he couldn't work out where the next rock was. So he's trying to work out where to climb and where to go. But you can tell uh, he, he started to panic a little because his legs started to shake a bit. And uh, it, it's funny because he, you're, you're just watching this from the bottom and think it's the funniest thing in the world. But I'm sure it's very stressful while you're up there. But he's trying to work it out. And you can tell he, he wants to go to the next rock and he wants to move forward, but his body is starting to slip. And so I thought, okay, this guy, he's starting to panic. So I yelled out to him. I said, bro, let go. I'll catch you. Not me catch, the rope, right? I'm not going to catch him. That's, that's suicide, <laughs> you know. And he looked down and he gives me the thumbs up. And he's just there, shaking on this rock. I said, bro, I'll catch you. Don't worry, just let go. And he goes, okay. And nothing. He was in this situation where he was stuck. And what he was stuck with was this choice. He could 
as I had told him, let go. You know, all you do is you, you fall back, the rope catches you, I've got the rope, and you just sort of slowly come down. Or he could try to work it out on his own by holding onto this 20-cent piece rock. But what he hadn't worked out was you can't do both. For him to trust the rope and trust me, he needed to let go of this 20-cent piece rock, but he couldn't. Whether it was the fear of the unknown, whether he just didn't trust me, whether he didn't trust the rope system, whatever it was, he just couldn't let go. And so one last time I said, dude, because I worked it out, right? It wasn't that he didn't trust me. He just couldn't let go. So I just yelled out, let go of the 20 cent piece rock. And he just let go and he was fine. See, he had a choice to trust the rope, to trust me that was holding the rope, or trust himself and the little rock that he was hanging off. See, the principle here that we need to understand is this. You can't put your trust in two different things. And this is actually a biblical principle that we see in Matthew. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Our love, our worship, our trust can only wholeheartedly be for one and one alone. You must make a choice. You must choose your allegiance, your dependence. But when it comes to our finances, I believe we try to do both. We say that we trust God with our finances and his provision for us, and yet we pursue not God, but money itself to secure our future and our finances. I trust you, God. I trust you, God, with my life. But I'm going to work out my own finances. The Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Timothy 6, 6-10, to But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierce themselves with many griefs. Now, let's be very clear on what the Bible says. Money is not the enemy. Money is not the root of all kinds of evil, but it is the love of money, the pursuit of money, the worship of money, the trust in money. Because when we worship and trust money, what it does is it takes our worship and attention and our trust away from God. You cannot worship both. You cannot trust both. We go back to this idea of compartmentalization. With faith issues, we trust God, but with worldly issues, 
worldly contentment, we trust our finances. Let's be honest, many of us live our lives for the pursuit of comfort, contentment, and security. But where do we place our trust for these matters? And it's a simple choice, friends. You either trust God or you trust yourself and the world. If we're honest, many of us sleep better at night knowing that we have a solid bank account rather than knowing that the presence of God is with us. Friends, you cannot trust both. Everyone has to make a choice. I need my wallet. Timmy, in my bag, front pocket. Can you bring it up? Just the wallet. And while Timmy does that, everyone please look at his ankle bracelet. (laughs) I actually didn't need the wallet. I just wanted you to see the ankle bracelet. (laughs) The Bible gives us two examples of these choices. And the first is the passage that we read today about a rich young ruler. He had money, he had power, he had a good education. And he comes to Jesus and he asks a very important question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replies, keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. Old Testament, right? Keep the commandments. Obey him and you'll be blessed. Obey him and you'll have life to the full. And this man, he replies to Jesus with an amazing statement. He says, I have. I have been keeping these commandments. And before we sort of go on and go, oh, did he really? He probably didn't. He probably just lied. Without even going there, Jesus, he replies he sees this guy and he just replies. And he says, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. So this man had everything. And when Jesus said, hey, you don't need everything. You just need me. Make a choice. And the conclusion for this man was that he walked away because he was rich. So where did he place his trust? In his things. But then you get another story. Mark chapter 12, verse 41 to 44, where we see a widow, a woman whose husband had died, and and this is her story. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. And we've, we've read this story. You've probably heard this story many, many times, and so have I. But this time when I was reading it, this last phrase just stood out in such a huge way. Put in everything, all she had to live on. I remember when I was preparing for this, I couldn't shake this phrase off. Put in everything, all she had to live on. 
And when I thought about what this phrase really meant, not just, oh wow, she just gave everything, like she really gave it all. What this meant for her was that not, not only was she poor and not only did she have nothing and, and she just gave the two little coins that she had, it meant that she gave everything so when she went home, when she went home from church that day or that night, she didn't have any food on the table, she didn't have any lamp or oil in her lamp to light for light and for warmth. So literally, she put in everything she had, and when she went home, she had nothing. And that was her reality. It wasn't, wow, you gave your two cents, your everything you had. No, her reality was that she gave everything, and she went home, and she had nothing And yet, she was okay with that. And it really shows us, it really shows us for her, this widow, her trust in her livelihood, in her comfort, in her convenience, in her eating, in her basic needs. She trusted in God, not in the few cents that she had. I'm going to trust God to keep me alive for tomorrow instead of trusting the few cents that I have. See, when we give, it's an act of trust. When you give, it's an act of trust. When we give, we don't, we don't give just the, the leftovers, but we intentionally give, whether that's 10% tithe or whether we give because there's a need in the church. Ultimately, what we're saying is that I'm going to trust you, God, rather than trusting in the things that I have in my hands. See, when we give to God and empty our hands to him, we are trusting him that he will fill them for us. I love it how Paul, back in the the, the Timothy passage, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. And yet we believe this lie that continues around our lives, which says that we have control over our own universe. We have control over the happiness and the contentment and the satisfaction that we have in our lives as long as we have a comfortable level of of finance or savings in our bank account. The Bible calls that foolish. But the Bible tells us, put your trust in God, the one that gave you this life to start off with the one that controls the world, the one that tells us that he is at work for those that he loves. When we give, we act upon uh, this surrender and say, God, I'm going to trust you and not this money. You're the one that's going to keep me alive tomorrow. You're the one that's going to feed me tomorrow. You're the one that I'm going to find satisfaction and contentment in, not this money. I'm going to trust you and not this But for many of us, we are still hanging on to the wall. We are still hanging on to these little little stones on the wall. In our heads, we know. We know what the Bible says. We know the Bible says, hey, 
Do I not feed the, the, the birds of the sky? Do I not clothe these amazing flowers right here and here? You know, how, how much more will I not take care of you? Do not worry. That's what the Bible says. And in our heads, we know this. In our heads, we know this. And yet, it's still, we struggle to believe it in our heart of hearts. Have you ever given to God financially to the point where you didn't know where your next meal would be? Have you ever been generous to the church that it actually affects your personal finances? There's this beautiful phrase that used to get thrown around, and I love it, and it says, you can never outgive God. You can never outgive God, whether that's your finance, whether that's sacrifice, whether that's your time, your energy. Your t- you can never outgive God. And the question isn't whether you know this, but it's a question of whether you believe this. Whether you believe this. I'd love to say personally that after preaching three sermons on giving, that, that the reason why I'm preaching these sermons is because I am a model giver. Uh, th- this would be very far from the truth. Actually, most, uh, about half of my Christian life, um, I was a very poor giver. I gave out of excess. I gave out of just whenever I had some leftovers. Um, I thought I'd take care of myself with my own finance without really trusting God. And it, it just came to a point where I had to sit down and make a choice. Am I really going to take care of myself through my financial management, working hard? you know, being financially savvy, making the right investments. Like, even if I do that, really, am I going to be okay? Wouldn't the smarter investment be to surrender that all to God, who is abundant, abundant in his nature? I understand that when I talk about finance, sometimes it, th- it, 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 it feels like a very theoretical subject. But I think the Bible tells us very differently. As I said, this whole series has been about money, but it's not about money. It's about your heart. It's about your attitude towards God. And today it's about how much you trust God. Simple, where do you place your trust in your life. The reason why I got Timmy to come out was I I had a $50 note in my pocket. Sorry, this is my offering for my church. Just saying. If I put God's word here and I put a 50 here, right? Stay. And I said, one of these can save your life. One of these can give you contentment One of these will fulfill you. One of these will satisfy you. Make a choice. 
Make a choice. I promise you, first and foremost, you'd really have to think about it. And that itself says something about how much we really trust God. Hey, for some of us, we, even now we're like, well, yes, the Bible's full of wisdom and, 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 and good words, but man, I could do with that 50. What if it wasn't 50? What if it was 50 grand? What if it was 50 million? 50 million versus the word of God. I promise you, if we, if we just had a blindfold, right, just turn the lights off and said, okay, you can take 50 grand, or no, let's make it 50, you can take 50 million or you can take the word of God and that's, where you, that, that's what you're going to trust for your happiness, for your contentment, for your satisfaction in your lives. I promise you, and not to judge you and not to condemn you, but the most of you would take the 50 million. And some of you, you'd justify it. Wow, 50 million, I can tithe 5 million to the church. God, thank you. You know, all glory to God. You know, woo, I'm so generous today, you know. It's not easy. And that's what I'm trying to show you. It's not easy. I'd love to tell you that in my heart of hearts, you know, without a, a moment of doubt, I would take God's word over the 50 million. I would love to tell you that, that I, would, I have never questioned that ever, ever, ever in my life. But I have. I tell you when I have? When bills come to my house. When school fees need to be paid. When I look at my bank account and I wonder, why do I even have a bank account? See, it's hard. It's hard. It's really hard. And I don't want to, you know, make this some kind of theoretical sermon and go, yeah, you need to give to God and you need to trust him and then, you know, everything's going to be fine. And no, it's not like that. But it's not a question. And here's the thing. It's not a question of whether you'll struggle with it or not or whether what you think is the right thing or not. It's a question of whether you believe God in what he says. That's it. It's a question of what you truly believe to be the reality of this world. Of course, 50 million bucks could go a long way. But do you know how long that can go? It goes to your grave. The furthest 50 million will take you is to an amazing funeral, a beautiful casket, the most wonderful flowers. But that's as far as it will go. Because no amount of money in this world you can take outside of this lifetime. That's what Paul says. You came with nothing, you'll leave with nothing. The question is today, which one of these will you choose to trust? It's not about don't be rich. No, be rich. Don't, it's not about don't work hard and be, be financially savvy. No, be financially savvy. Work hard. Be successful. But don't trust in that for your eternity. Don't trust in that to be the foundation and the bedrock of your life. You've got to ask, who do I trust? Where do I place my trust today? I want to finish with three really practical ways that we can live out giving as an act of trust. Maybe for some of you, you're like, you know what? I really, I do. I want to trust God more. 
I want to not, I just, I want to not just say I trust God, but I really want to put my money where my mouth is. Right? Let me give you three just practical ways that you can start doing that today. Number one, give so it hurts. Give so it hurts. You know, we are all rich. We live in Australia. We are blessed. You could... You can have no job and the government pays you. What an amazing country this place is. So many of us, when we give, we give out of excess. It doesn't, it doesn't change your bottom line. But if you really want to test how much you trust God, give so it actually hurts, so it actually changes your bottom line. Because that will make you trust God. My wife is, um, she's a phenomenal giver. She's the opposite to me. It was funny. I grew up, you know, blue, blue collar, you know, down the road from here. My wife grows up in the, the lush lawns of the northern, you know, North Shore, you know, private school, all that jazz, right? And you'd think I'd be the more generous one. She's, she's, she's just taught me so much about generosity. It's not even about how much money you have that makes you generous or not. It's about how big your heart is. And she'd do these things once in a while. She goes, Steve, I was praying last night and I always get a bit nervous when she says that because she loves Jesus. And it's usually one of two things. One is either I think you need to say sorry, you know, <laughs> which is, you know, about 90% of the case. But sometimes she wakes up and she goes, oh, Steve, I was praying last night and I wanted to, you know, discuss with you, discuss, discuss with you. Um, I think we should bless this missionary. Or I think we should support, you know, this person. Or I think we should just give, you know, money to this person. And initially I'm like, oh, praise be to God. You know, that's awesome, honey. How good is it that we can bless them and, and, and we can support them and, and that's so great. And I'm like, how much were you thinking? <laughs> Dangerous question. I remember the first time she did it. In our savings account, I think we had $3,000, which is like, honest, to tell you the truth, that's a lot for me. It's the most money I probably had in my life. And she goes, I, I think we should give 2,000. And I said, 2,000 what? 2,000 rupees? 2001? How much? What, what currency are we talking about? She goes, no, $2,000. And in my mind, financial, you know, accountants, I'm not a financial accountant, by the way. I'm like, okay, we only have $3,000. And if we give $2,000, we've only got $1,000 left. I don't see this as being a good deal for our family. And so I'll tell her, I said, honey, you know, I think we should both pray about this. It's a big decision. She goes, yeah, yeah, you go pray about it. It's always the same answer. Listen to your wife. You know, that's, that's the answer. But the crazy thing is she, she, she hasn't done this once or twice. She does this maybe about once every one and a half years. And when we give that money, my wife gives it so generously. There's so much joy. I give it like, 
You know, like really feeling that, you know, sacrifice. But you know what? And I truly believe this today. The reason why our house, my family, has never struggled financially is not because of my good financial management of my money. It's because my wife has greater faith than me and chooses to trust God in these areas. And so I've learned, I've learned. And so I think two years ago, I was the one that prayed and I was the one that said to my wife, honey, I think we should bless this person. And she's like, yeah, that's amazing. You know, how much were you thinking? And I was thinking, I'm going to be a big, big man. I was like, $500, Australian, $500. And she goes, honey, that's so good. Let's double it. <laughs> man. But when you give, so it actually changes your bottom line, then you really start to ask the question, who am I trusting here? Who am I trusting here? That's the first one. Give so it hurts. Second one, give consistently. Okay, you know, I've been talking about these one-offs that, that my wife chooses to do. You know what? Sometimes a one-off big give is not as trusting as you think. Sometimes it can be a spur of the moment. You know, they say, right, once is a fluke, twice is for real. You know, trust is like a muscle, right? For it to grow, you've got to exercise it. Timmy, the other thing that I noticed about Timmy as he was walking up here is that his calves are really big. They're like, they're not calves, they're cows. He's got cows. But those cows didn't just appear one morning. He's been, he's been working those babies. But can I tell you, trust is exactly the same thing. You don't one day wake up and go, you know what, God, I trust you with my life. He's everything. I promise you not many people can do that. But you give a little and you trust God. And you give a bit more and you trust God. And you give a bit more and you trust God. If you want to trust God with your life, give consistently. Consistently. And finally, really practical, right? Give irrationally. Give irrationally. You know the world is so collected, uh, calculated. You know, like, we are so like, let, put it in your Excel file and then do the numbers and do the formulas and whatever comes out, that's what you give. 10%, 10.1%, God, he's a bit extra, he's a tip. You know? We're so calculative in our giving. I believe that if, if we are going to start to really trust God in the way that he can catch us, then we need to stop thinking in our own logical and rational spheres. And the challenge is to give irrationally. Uh, Craig Groeschel, a uh, pastor in America, one of their core values is irrational generosity. Irrational generosity. Generosity that doesn't make sense. Generosity that isn't limited to the dollars and cents on their bank account. Generosity that is irrational. They trust God for the things of the church and not in their own resources and talents. 
Friends, we need to believe. We need to believe that the God of the universe is the one that's going to keep us alive, is the one that's going to keep us above water, the one that's going to support us. We need to trust him, not in our dollars and cents and our calculators. So give irrationally, right? Give so it hurts. Give consistently and give irrationally. Friends, you cannot put one foot in the boat and one foot on land and think that you will be okay. When we give, not only is it an act of worship, not only is it an act of obedience, but it's also an act of trust. When we give, we open our hands and as we let go of what we hold in our hands in this lifetime, we open them up and at the same time as, as we surrender, we, we ask God, God, fill these hands with whatever I need. Because we know that God loves us and God wants the best for us today. I pray that you would be challenged with your finances. I'd pray that you'd be challenged in your hearts for God. I pray that when you come to the day where you have to make a choice between this and this, that you would understand what that decision means, what it means for your relationship with God, what it means for your eternity, and that you would find a place, a place of peace, knowing that our lives do not, are not hinged on the mighty dollar. They are not led by the mighty dollar. They are not kept alive by the mighty dollar. But our lives are there because of a mighty God. Let's pray.